You're listening to Potter Nonsense, a podcast with me and Ray. Welcome to Potter Nonsense, I'm Faye. And I'm Ray, and on this week's episode, we are talking about early learning in the Harry Potter universe. So by early learning, some people might call it elementary school, us in Australia call it primary school. It's essentially your grades from preschool to just before you start high school. So for me in Queensland, it is to grade six, uh, because grade seven is now considered high school. Um, so it's preschool to grade six. I'm not six. sure if in SA um, everyone considers year seven high school now or if it's just the Catholics because that's the that's the only window I've got oh, at fair. the moment. Um, like they yeah. just um, switch things up. So like my old high school used to be year six to year 12 because they had the middle school there that had the sixes and sevens in their own little zone and now, it's, now they don't have oh, that yeah, yeah, because yeah. they only start at year seven. So, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's okay, somewhere that's in fair. that zone so, of like you're somewhere um, between the age of four and like in some places I guess up to 13 or 12, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. It, so, the, so like oh, sorry. basically – no, 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 I was just going to say basically the age group we're talking about tonight is like to – age 10 because obviously they start school yes, when yes. they turn 11. They start at Hogwarts when they turn 11. So what are these And that these is precisely what I was actually going to say when we spoke at the same time. So that's, you know, we're, vi- uh. we're, vi- we're vibing oh, tonight. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. But, yeah, but what are these kids doing um, before they go to Hogwarts? Um, like I know muggle kids, uh, not muggle, muggle kids. Muggle-born um, kids. Well, yeah, muggle-born kids yes. are going to primary schools because um, that's just yes, what that's they where Harry do. Went. That's um, where Hermione went. Yeah, so Harry went to St. Gregory's or mm. Gregory's, I can't remember. I think that was right. Um, and had a mm. terrible, terrible time. Uh, they never specifically stated where uh, Hermione went. Um, J.K. Rowling has answered the question, Uh, in an interview that someone asked the question, where do visiting children go to school before Hogwarts? And she said they can either go to a muggle primary school or they're educated at home. Uh, So pure-blood kids most likely educated by their parents. that because, you know, um, Draco Malfoy is certainly not being sent to the local muggle primary school. He'd be, you know, educated at home by Narcissa. I would say. Um, yes. But, yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, that might explain on some level why no one seems to be in a dual-income household because mum stays home and teaches the kids. Yes. It's yes. very archaic. Um, I mean, I know that there are a lot of people out there still currently who do uh, distance education where their parents are their their primary source mm-hmm. of teaching, which is great. Um, it does work, especially if you live very rural um, or if you have, um, you know, certain disabilities or things like that, that uh, there's no specialised education in the area, that sort of thing. So it does work for a lot of people, but it's it just seems weird that they would have this grandiose uh, high school and not have a 
like a pre-magic yeah, primary and now I'm just school. thinking also, um, speaking of rural kids, because, you know, obviously, um, well, some people listening may not know, a lot of Australia is not very well populated. So there are kids who will be the only child for hundreds of kilometres. And up until yes. a couple of years ago, a lot of them would be educated by what was called School of the Air, and it was basically radio broadcasted classes. And they've they've um, had to yes, shut that yeah. down in more recent years, and I think that that's moved more into online education. But um, we, when we were on um, the same trip that um, I referenced when I, uh, we were talking about Kubapedia yeah, a couple of episodes ago, uh, we, we ended up um, mm. as a choir performing for the kids of School of the Air which was quite cool. Yeah. But yeah, wizards have radio, so that's an option for them. Um, But yeah, I also actually just had this thought that um, going by what fancy pants old-fashioned people used to do, um, I feel like Malfoy had a governess. Yeah, I was going to say, the rich, the the more wealthy families probably had like a governess or an in-house teacher that they could afford to do that. For example. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine that they would learn, you, you know, your basic reading, writing mm. and arithmetic, but they'd also probably learn like prehistory of Yeah, some of the magic. simpler stuff that you like. I feel like Malfoy probably did pre-potions. Like he probably would have learned uh, you know, potions. Honestly, Malf- um, Malfoy probably had Snape come to him. <laughs> Actually, yeah, Malfoy. Oh my god! Now I'm just imagining Snape as a governess. <laughs> and governess, he's definitely Snape. You know, in his I'm off just, time, I'm just in his I'm downtime, him in Neville's grandma's clothes. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, basically. So, like, when Hogwarts wasn't in session, Snape had a side job, and yes. it was Malfoy's governess. <laughs> Canon. <laughs> that's that's yeah. not canon. That's got to happen. Like that's it. That's absolutely one hundred percent it. That's, I I enjoy that. I'm so glad. But um, if you think about like some of the other pure blood families and being educated by their parents, do you ever get the sense that I mean, th- there was a joke that Tom Felton ad libbed, but can Crab and Goyle even read? <laughs> yeah um well they are written to be quite dumb and sort of ogreous so maybe not like there's a high chance that there would be parents yeah, who just and also, didn't care like, if we're talking about um generation after generation of unregulated homeschooling it could be that like their parents can't read either there could be a situation where all of these kids can only be get as much basic education as their parents had. And if their parents had very little before going to Hogwarts, there yeah. could be like basic skills of reading, writing, maths and all of that that they just don't have. Yeah, no, it's true. It's very true. Like, I mean, uh, the less wealthy families, if they didn't start off very well, uh, please excuse the squeaking. <laughs> That's my dog. <laughs> she's just she's just come running into the room with her squeaker because she can hear me talking anyway um yeah they're less wealthy families who haven't ever been able to afford like a governess or a tutor uh yeah definitely the the line of succession of 
teaching may yeah. not be so stellar. And, um, I mean, I've also just um, one of the things that I do think of is um, Hermione just kind of looking around at all of the kids that she realises don't have the basic skills that she would have learned already. And, like, <clears throat> one of yeah. my ideas for things that Hermione would do in her adult life is um, start an actual school for these basic skills for young wizards to attend. Yeah, absolutely. I think she definitely would have done that. Um, that would have been like one of her top priorities. Yeah, and priorities, it's not something really. that um, appears to have come up. I mean, we do have her stuff about her um, pursuing elf rights and stuff like that. And um, according to the Cursed Child, becoming prime minister, uh, not prime minister, minister for magic. But um, I can see Hermione seeing a lot of these problems that would be easily solved by muggle concepts and oh yeah there are so many concepts in the harry potter universe that are so easily solved like it's all well and good to be like oh it's a fantasy setting blah 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 but it's a fantasy setting set in the 90s like it's a fantasy setting set in a modern universe you've you've got to kind of you've got to give up on aesthetic eventually and go for some practicality yeah, like I love all of these headcanons of like, oh, if I went to Hogwarts, I'd turn up with a ballpoint pen. Well, yeah, you would. If you were a muggle-born and all you'd ever use is a ballpoint pen, has anyone ever actually tried to use a proper calligraphy pen? Kudos to you if you can get it to work. But for me, I'd be like, nah, mum, like send me, please send me some ballpoint pens. Send me that big. I mean, I'm going to please. I- I'm going to be honest. I was that twat in high school who wrote with a quill. Like I had a I had a wooden quill. Oh god! Yeah, yeah. Of course, that, you that were. was me. I got told <laughs> off once, and um, so I switched to my fountain pen. Ah, see, like, okay, fountain pen makes sense. Dipping your ink, dipping your quill in your ink, like that's man, that's and a honestly, lot of wasted ink. You think that someone would have come up with a charm that like fills the quill with ink? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like or, a ball you know, like pen. a fountain pen. Like you, you can you can just dip it into the uh, um, uh, inkwell, and it draws in a bunch of ink, and you can go for like a page. Like it wouldn't be that hard to come up with, and some yeah. Muggleborn probably would have designed this by now, but apparently not. Absolutely. Well, it's just yeah. Like there's a there's a few there's a few concepts. In the Harry Potter universe, like education, it's kind of like cool. Aesthetically speaking, this whole fantasy setting and like this medieval castle bullshit is awesome. But at the same time, there are practicalities of it that are like, yeah, nah, I would not like yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would, I would not like, I would not like having no pens. I wouldn't like having like. I'm thinking about the 90s mm. as well because this is set in the 90s. Like right now I'd be like, where's my phone? Yeah. Where's my watch? Like things like that. But in the 90s, where's my Tamagotchi? <laughs> um, I'm just picturing like things that I feel like Hermione should have done at Hogwarts and she'd be showing up with like spiral notebooks, pen and like yeah. Lisa Frank, Trapper Keeper. Like, <laughs> <gasps> Oh, my God. Lisa Frank everything. She was the right Asian demographic. She'd have like Lisa Frank yes. everything. And I think we've, I think we've spoken about it before, but parchment. Parchment is a very impractical, very expensive 
expensive yeah, yeah, way absolutely. to do like, things. And even at points in the movies, they show them as having notebooks. So, like, someone, someone – I mean, I feel like that was also a mistake, but, like, someone's had the thought, like, these rolls of parchment are yeah. absurd – well, a lot of the times on set when they were filming those scenes where the kids are doing schoolwork, they're yes. actually doing their schoolwork, <laughs> like in real life. Um, so they they had to have them in notebooks purely because the kids would never have learned. <laughs> that's otherwise. actually a good point. That was like that study hall scene where they're um, asking each other who they're taking to the U.S. and Snape is there committing mild child abuse. Yeah, right. And, like, Fred's sitting there scratching his head looking really confused. In interviews, he's been like, yeah, I was trying to do algebra. I had no uh, idea what I was doing. I don't think they were doing their schoolwork on set, but, um, like, did so, they have, like, you know, teachers that were on hand for them as well, like, to ask for help? Yeah, no, no, no. Legit, legitimately, I was in Leaveson Studios and those scenes where they're sitting there doing schoolwork, they're actually doing their oh, schoolwork. Okay. Their tutors are off set. <laughs> Because like, I knew that they, I knew that they were studying for yeah, real. Like I just didn't were, know if they like had someone nearby that they could actually ask their questions. Yeah, like they had tutors standing mm. with the camera crews, um, and they were just kind of like, "Well, these kids need to learn, and we also need to shoot. Let's just combine yeah, the two like, scenes." It's like how when um, you're a kid and you find out that oh, kids who run off and join the circus actually get educated as well, and that kind of defeats the purpose. <laughs> I know, right? I was crushed when I was like, I'm going to go and run away and join the circus. And then uh, the circus came to town and it was there for like three months. So these two girls were enrolled in school with me. And uh, I was like, oh, you, you're in the circus, but you're at school. And we're like, yes. And when we're on the road, we have tutors. I was like, oh, I'm very upset now. <laughs> not that I had any like, not that I, I had like, any like, my skills to the circus, but you know, that's just, the, it's the dumb thing. Oh, no. <laughs> I was gonna go. I was gonna go and be uh, the dog tamer. Like the, I didn't want to be a lion tamer because that was too dangerous. But I wanted to take my dogs, and I was gonna be like the cool lady Excellent. that did all I the love tricks. It. With I the dogs. had um, and that very was basic gymnastics abilities um, that were especially basic because when I was doing gymnastics, I was getting tonsillitis every three weeks. So. <laughs> And then, oh, and then, the, no. like the doctor was like to me, "Okay, if you get tonsillitis one more time, we're taking your tonsils out." And then I never got tonsillitis again for like, I think it was about five years before I got it again. And at that point, it was like, "Well, it's not chronic." Oh my so. god! <laughs> well, I mean, that's at the same good. time, though, my tonsils are actually like just, just I've had it enough tonsillitis at this point that like I've got some pretty bad scarring on my tonsils so it's like mm. at this point can someone just take them out I know and it would have been better if I had them out as a kid because the recovery is much worse when you're an adult mm-hmm. <laughs> I've heard that I haven't had mine out because I have I think I've had tonsillitis maybe once the last time life. I had it it was when I was living in Melbourne for three months and Matt came to visit and he was coming off of some other medication that was giving him body aches in the first place. So he didn't notice mm. that he had tonsillitis, especially because he hadn't had it before. Oh. He just like, okay, I've got a bit of a sore throat and continuing down the vein of having a sore body. Um, and then 
<laughs> and oh, um, no. because I was like living in a two bedroom place with my um, sister and my nephew at the time, um, we were we were staying at Crown, um, and so we mm. were just staying at the Crown Hotel with tonsillitis, and we're just in bed being miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty sure I remember that. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I was probably miserable. texting you about it at the time. I'm like, Matt, Matt gave me tonsillitis. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I do remember that, actually. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, poor hmm. Matt. Poor you, really. But, yeah, no. So, like, it's it, it's a troubling thing that these kids don't have any – yeah, education. like there's before no one setting a benchmark for how much you must know before you um, are actually competent to go to Hogwarts and, you know, do all of the things that they just expect you to do. Like at, yeah. at the very least you'd expect that maybe there's a, you know, a literacy class at Hogwarts for the kids who need to catch up, mm. like, you know, it would just take the first round of homework to come through and they'd be like, oh, okay, this kid needs help. Yeah, right. But it's also like it's also very much like some of these kids could be passing their subjects much mm. better than they are, but they're not because they're <laughs> illiterate. Um, one of the thoughts I've also had as far as like ways that the Weasleys could be less poor is if – you know, Molly's already teaching seven kids. Um, teaching the neighbours' kids wouldn't be that much of a stretch further. Like, I like to, I like to picture Ron and Cedric and um, Luna just sitting just sitting in um, Molly's dining room, le- learning their letters. Yes, they're yeah, all basically no, it's true. Na- like they, they live a bit apart, but like they're in the same general area, and there's probably other wizards in the area as well. They've also yeah. got the flu network. You could be down in the south end of London and still be at Otteries and Catchpole yes. in and like 10 honestly, minutes. Honestly, there's probably also the factor of like Molly teaching them all to talk like they do because otherwise living in Otteries and Catchpole, they'd sound more like Hagrid. Cause, yeah, they um, would. That's Otteries and Catchpole is Devon, isn't it? Ottery. Yes, it so I've got fa- I've got family from Devon. It is, yeah, it's in Devon. And um, the ones mm. that are my mum's age, like they're her cousins, um, they all, you know, they have the all right, then my lover sort of thing, like that. The you know the Hagridy accent. Um, yes. The ones that are my age do not, because they're actually given elocution as kids, yes. and they um have all basically been trained to speak in the um, received pronunciation English and they don't have the accent yes. because there's a level of stigma from that accent that you get. Much like people Yar. think Hagrid is stupid, although that's partially because he's also a half giant. Yeah. It's like in Australia when you hear someone talk like this and all you can hear is the Aussie northern accent and you just yeah. kind of like, oh, goodness. It's like it's like the the non-staged Steve Irwin yeah, accent. Yeah, that's the one that that's the one that we associate with a low level of intelligence. Much like there's a level yeah. of stigma against Southern accents in America. 
Yeah, or yeah, like the accents in England. Um, yeah, so it's it's very easy to see someone's class by the way they speak. Mm. But if you but you can fix that. And my fair lady is my favorite example of this. <laughs> Eliza Doolittle learning how to speak proper. And she's doing, and my favorite scene in the whole movie is where she's doing so well at the races and she's so eloquent, she's so spoken. And then all of a sudden she comes out with, move your blooming ass. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, you can take the London out of the girl, but you can't take the girl out of London. Yeah. No, other way around. You can take the girl out of London, but you can't take the London out of the girl. Yes. Um, it's just, it's just my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Molly and uh, Arthur have done a really, really good job of taking that Devon Yar accent out of their kids definitely could be done. I, I mean, there could also just be a level um, that the wizards aren't at all integrated with the muggles. So they, they probably didn't learn how to speak that way anyway. It's true. It's, it's like to use, to use another example from another, um, piece of media the basis of my other podcast um downton abbey has all of the wealthy people speaking in you know a very a very crisp english accent a very um very uh well well studied accent and then all of the servants have like the the classic yorkshire accent Mm. yes yes they do and that's i mean that's probably mostly done just to be able to tell Mm. But it would also be like the situation like at the time that the nobility was being taught to speak a certain way and then the yes. um, the lower classes were, um, you know, just, just speaking how their language evolved. There wasn't really any art to it. No. I love no, a good exactly. northern accent, I will say. <laughs> I do like a good northern accent. I like the Scottish <laughs> accent. It's like it's like the English North um is this weird middle ground between like you're not you haven't quite gotten to the Scottish thing yet, but there's definitely the inspiration. There's the there's the flavour of the Scottish accent that they've got. Yeah, I I like accents um, from all over England. I really like the mm. Welsh accent and how musical it sounds. I know a lot of people. Yeah. I know a lot of people cringe, uh, particularly those in the UK, uh, because they say that the Welsh aren't particularly intelligent because of the way they speak. But I really like the Welsh accent. I think it sounds so musical and so lively. And it, it, it's just yeah. listening to a Welsh person tell you a story is just the happiest thing in the world, even if and it's honestly, a shitty we were story. West Country accent. Accents and that, like, much like the Northern English accent is like halfway to Scottish, um, the West Country accent is halfway to Welsh. Yeah, yeah, it's true. (laughs) It's um, it's true. I just Mm. yeah. Oh man, I miss Scotland. I'm getting all the stuff on (laughs) Facebook about when I was there last year, and I'm like, oh my god. Oh no, I miss Scotland. (laughs) I miss driving through like the absolute middle of nowhere. And the Scottish Highlands. But anyway, I digress. I miss Ireland too. <laughs> Good Lord, do I miss Ireland. I'd love uh, to go back. Oh, I'd love to live there actually. But <laughs> so much more to visit. Uh, but uh, so, so many uh, places, so little time and money. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm so poor. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, so it's uh, – 
the primary education is so, so important and they don't seem to have it except for the few parents that seem to be able to do it really well. And mm. then you've got a bunch of muggle kids or muggle-born children that went to school and they that's got to be a culture shock as well, like going to school and then going, all right, I'm going to this castle for high school and then suddenly been thrown into a place where you simultaneously know more but mm. also know Especially less. Especially like if we think about um, Justin Finch Fletchley who drops that he was on the list for Eton, which is like the yeah. incredibly uh, – that's that's – that's where Prince William and Harry went. That's uh, that's that's where Tom Hiddleston went. Yes, and Benedict yes, Cumberbatch. It's, it's where your hoity-toity ones go, and like the the I'm sure that preparing your child for Eton, you you pour a lot into that as well. Quite honestly, yeah, he would have been very hoity-toity, <laughs> like. He would have been – see, it would be such a culture shock for him to come in and associate with the likes of, well, <laughs> oh, Ronald. Ronald. Honestly, it would be such a culture shock for Justin Finch-Fletchley to talk to Ron, a kid from Devon who has never had education really oh, properly would, in his life. I would life, think that um, Molly would hands. have been a good – I feel like Molly's a good educator, but, yes, like he's got no formal education. I feel like Molly would be a great educator. Yeah, right. But she is no like boy elite boys academy yes. that feeds into Eton. Yeah, it's um, it would be such a culture shock. But it's also like it's also really thinking of like the Muggleborn kids know nothing mm. about the magical world. So the magic kids do know this, but the magic kids don't know how to count like past <laughs> twelve, and they don't know. They don't know basic, basic arithmetic and they don't know basic, you know, spelling and things like that. So it's just this kind of like, I mean, would the would the kids who had had early education be tutoring the kids that yeah, had no, no education? If there's no provisions from Hogwarts to catch you up on your literacy, like surely there's a cup, there's like a Hermione in every um, common room who like, you know, has has a crowd of kids around every evening after after dinner, learning how to you know properly use their language. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's um, oh man, Hermione would have just been flooded with people going. Please, help I mean, early me. early Hermione probably would have avoided it by being like generally. No, no one was pretty was very interested in talking to her in the first place. But like by third year, she would have her little clutch of kids that she'd she'd be taking under her wing to, um, you know, she'd give them a spelling list every every week or something like that. Like we would have in um early primary school. Mm. Yeah, no, she would. She would totally be doing that. She would uh, have to be doing. that. I assume that. that um in Hufflepuff, it's Justin Finch Fletchley being like. Oh Christ! The, all of these kids know nothing. Okay, rolls up his sleeves. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I think Justin Finch Fletchley gets a lot of flack, but I think he would actually be quite yeah. a sweet guy. <laughs> and uh, honestly, he hangs like maybe maybe it's a all all three of the because there's the golden trio of Hufflepuff in um, Harry's year, which is um, Justin Finch Fletchley and, and Hannah Finch Abbott. Fletchley. 
And, yes, and yeah, I mean, those are the habit. only Hufflepuff kids we know. Um, but they're also, like, really close-knit friends. But they all seem to be, like, quite intelligent. So Yeah, can't yeah, stand Ernie Yeah, McMillan. I mean, he's a tosser about it. Like, he's more of a tosser about it than um, Justin seems to be. <laughs> what an absolute prick. <laughs> uh, I didn't like him at all. No, he was, he was a bit, mm, okay. All right, mate. <laughs> yeah. It was like, calm down, mate. Like, yeah, but I mean, okay. Hold Susan on, that's something Bones we can talk about later. Susan Bones is the other Hufflepuff. Susan Bones. Then, yeah. I was like, no, there is another one. I'm sure yeah. there's another one. That's yeah. Those Susan are the Hufflepuffs. Honestly, all of the Hufflepuffs give off quite an intelligent vibe, and then we know none of the Ravenclaws, aside from Padma Patil. Panna Patil, uh, there's another one, Mandy, um, okay. Mandy Brocklehurst. I don't I, remember her at all. <laughs> I remember Mandy Brocklehurst. Mm. And then Mandy. in the year above, we know about Cho Chang and Marietta Edgecombe. Cho Chang. Domo arigato, Cho Chang. Uh, God, I love Harry Potter musical. I love a very uh, Potter musical. Uh, Potter musical. <laughs> Honestly, like... <laughs> Bitch, I ain't Cho Chang. Cho Chang. <laughs> That's Lavender Brown, racist sister. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, honestly, uh, the Cho Chang Doma Arigato is less racist than the fact that Cho Chang just has two last names for her full name. <laughs> she does. Oh. But, um, yeah, no, it's uh, – education is a bit – like, you know about Hogwarts and that's all you really know mm. about. Um, these are the questions we want answered, JK. <laughs> what and is like, education? And, like, you also have kids coming in um, from the muggle world who maybe got a bit of um, history education. Like, I mean, in Australian schools you get, um, in primary school, you don't have a history class but you get society and environment and that, that like, yeah, so that feeds into history. And, like, social, social studies. studies. And, like, I think by high school, like, you know about Hitler and stuff like that. So, like, oh, coming yeah, into the wizarding world from the muggle world and hearing about Voldemort, it's like, so it's like, wizard Hitler? And, like, you just get a sea of blank faces because the <laughs> wizards know nothing about the muggle world. Which reminds me of... Yeah, I know. And you can't, <clears throat> you can't tell me that... Wizards wouldn't have been affected, even if Hitler didn't know about wizards. You can't tell me that wizards still yeah, wouldn't have been affected Yeah, that's meant to be the entire him. premise of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That's where that's going, that um, Grindelwald intersected with Hitler. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm so glad I tapped out of that movie. <laughs> I, I watched the first one. I haven't watched the second one because... The first one made me incredibly uncomfortable in a few places and I was like I don't find this funny why is everyone laughing at this this is very just, Americanized you know humor. I'd watch a whole movie about the Nifflers adventures oh my god so would I I would absolutely watch a whole movie about the like, Nifflers adventures I would even watch an absolute I would even watch a whole movie just about Newt wandering around the world finding yes these that's creatures. what I wanted it to be and then it's like no we're gonna make it about Johnny Depp yeah <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Hard pass. They should have kept Colin Farrell. Yes. Firth. Colin no, Firth. No, it was Colin, Colin, Colin Farrell. Oh, I got it right the you first did. time. I'm so used to getting it wrong. Oh, you did it. 
I'm so used. Well, the to thing is that um, Colin Farrell plays a lot more bad guys than Colin Firth. Like you know, it's um, true. Colin, Colin Farrell has been um, like he he stabbed Electra. Like, oh, that's uh, right. He played um, weird, weird, oh. weird um, bullseye. Oh, with a, with like the right. shaved head and the target cut into his forehead, like that's right. He also played the weird Irish guy yes. in Charlie's Angels. Yes, who kept on who kept on calling Drew Barrymore Helen. <laughs> that's right. Who was after Drew Barrymore's character? Oh man, I love that oh. movie. I love those movies so much. But yeah, they should have stuck with him. Editing fee here. Upon inspection of the IMDb page for Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, I have learned that the character of Seamus O'Grady was actually played by Justin Thoreau, an actor who I can never recognise ever in my life. So, not Colin Farrell, but good movie. Okay, thanks, bye. The new, I, I'm, I'm honestly quite keen for the new Charlie's Angels. Yeah, actually, I've seen a couple of... Uh, I've seen a couple of... The trailer. I've seen one trailer a couple of times. Is what I'm trying to say there. Mm. Sorry, it's okay, late. You got there. <laughs> I got there in the end. Um, yeah, I've seen the the trailer a couple of times, and I'm I'm actually looking forward to it. I'm pretty keen for like, it. A lot of people are like, "Oh, why do why do we need this?" I'm like, "Excuse you. This is like the thing that Kristen Stewart was meant to do." <laughs> yeah. Why don't we need this? Answer me that. Like, it, it's been like ten years since the original. Well, not the original, but like the. The one that we was part of our childhood. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, remaking stories is seemingly what Hollywood is doing right now. Y'all know how I feel about revamping. Hmm? <laughs> it's what Hollywood was doing before as well. The concept of bringing an original story is comparatively very new. There was a time where it was just like, okay, we have these stories and we will just keep doing them. And I, then we were like, uh, the first time someone came came in was like, I, I have my own idea. Everyone was like, that's insane. No one wants this. They want what they're used to. No, Disney, we don't want another remake of your shitty films. Actually, I take that back. All of Disney's, <laughs> all of Disney's cartoons are amazing. I don't want another remake of any of them. Although, I think I said this last week, I'm definitely here for Mulan. I yes. Yeah. Def. You mentioned being here for The Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. I'm and only I, here for The Little Mermaid yeah. because I, I want to show the racist twits what's what. I'm not really yes. into it, but I'm into it just to be like, no, screw you. And since we had that discussion, they started um, talking about the new Mulan again. That's right. Yes, yes. But Which otherwise. Because the day before, because there was a trailer. I haven't watched the trailer, I think, I, but I think there was a trailer. Um, the day before they dropped that, I was like, I'm pretty sure they were talking about the the like Mulan live action before they were talking about redoing the Lion King. They were. They've been talking about it for a really long time, but I think they've been really trying actually to be really careful with it because um, they're doing the traditional. Which is appreciated. <laughs> Yeah, because they're doing the traditional retelling of the Ballad of Mulan, which dates back mm. to like 6th century BC. Um, and I think Disney's trying really, really, really hard to be super careful about what they do with it. Um, I hope Ming-Na Wen shows up. I am not sure. It would be really nice homage, I think. I think it would be yeah. really just like even if she's just a side character that doesn't even – Or plays s- her mum. Yeah, like – 
I think Ming-Na Wen, it would be a really nice homage to the cartoon that Disney did that made, that put Mulan on everyone's radar. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I'm really appreciative that Disney is actually doing something good. Like they're trying really hard to be as culturally sensitive as they possibly can. Which is not something they've been great at. No, so, you know, not at all. It, um, it is promising that they're like really putting the work in on this one. Yeah. But it's, uh, we'll see how we go. But otherwise, I would uh, really, really like it if they would just start doing original ideas again. Although, saying that, uh, one of my friends uh, has once told me about a journal article she read when she was in high school, or not high school, when she was at university. And she, uh, it was basically a journal article explaining that there are no original pieces of fiction anymore. Everything that you can create or possibly think about has already been done in some capacity. And everything you write is fan fiction. <laughs> and I thought that was I mean, really cool. I mean, like that is the thing. We are, All of our stories are products of stories that we've already heard. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can, you can name, I can name off the top of my head, at least three different retellings of Beauty and the Beast. Some are blatantly obvious that they're retellings of Beauty and the Beast. And some of them, mm. you, it's not until it's pointed out to you that you go, oh, my shitting lord. <laughs> that is Beauty and the Beast. So, and Beauty and the Beast itself is um, a mash, basically a mashup of Cupid and Psyche and yes. um, Bluebeard. Yes, yeah, it is. It absolutely is. Um, actually, the original fairy tale of Beauty and the Beast was not very Bluebeard. The Disney Beauty and the Beast was extremely Bluebeard. Yes. Because there's that whole thing where it's like you are forbidden to go into this part of my castle. And in the Disney, it's because it's like got that secret painting of him. It's his, it's his secret I was once a person room um, <laughs> where, he's, where he keeps the rose and all of that. And like it's like she cannot, she cannot know my shame, I don't know, sort of thing. And on the other hand, Bluebeard, it's like this is where I keep the disembodied um, parts <laughs> of all of my previous wives. Not exactly Disney. No, it's not quite Disney-friendly, is it? <laughs> no, not quite a Disney-friendly tale. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, so I thought that was really, really interesting that if basically all tales that you can tell have been done in some capacity and it's very, very rare to be able to find something that is a absolute 100% piece of fiction that hasn't been done. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's a little bit refreshing if people like, this is a direct remake of this thing. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, and But sometimes it's also really cool to get through a whole novel and go, wow, that was really well done. And then someone goes, mm, you realize that was a retelling of Beauty and the Beast. And you go, oh, and the book I am talking about is A Court of uh, Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mars. Oh, I think that's on my list of things to read. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. Uh, it's a struggle to get through because it is uh, her first book and you can tell, but the right. story is pretty solid. I liked it. Uh, it's the second and third books that really pick up, so you got to keep reading. I th actually, I think it's The Throne of Glass that I've got, or is that like part <sighs> of that no. series? No, Throne of Glass is its own uh, being entirely and it's fucking okay. amazing. Cool. All right. Yeah. That's. I know that that's definitely on my reading list. Um, yeah, Court which is like over, of, over 100 titles long. 
<laughs> yeah, A Court of Thorns and Roses I love um, purely because the story is just so sweet and cute and the second and third books are just so fantastic and Throne of Glass is just a badass assassin who saves the day. Nice. Yeah. So I do have one more thing that I thought of that's on topic. Oh, yes. Sorry, we should probably get back to the topic. And there's your tangent for the night. <laughs> oh, like I know that um, within the canon of this podcast, um, Arthur Weasley's other family probably goes to the local muggle school. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, this is why Kelly shouldn't uh, – this is why Ray shouldn't drink gin <sighs> before she sits uh, down to do – I mean, I've got vodka and schnapps in the in the same um, glass tonight, so <laughs> with, with a whole lot of lemonade, like a whole lot of lemonade. It tastes like a Allen's um, peach, peaches and cream lolly. <gasps> I have to try this. You have to send me what's in it. Anyway, <laughs> let's shall. continue. On topic. Um, but, yes, um, like Arthur Weasley, Muggle's biggest fan, would – totally be sending his kids off to muggle school yes they would yes he would and I think he'd get like, a kick out of like, the science fair yeah yeah he'd want like he'd be sending them in as infiltrators like, he wants to know everything yeah absolutely which is so, like, why it's surprising his kids didn't go to muggle school yeah yeah it's like something that just wasn't really thought of like I mean I guess it's funny when Ron is um, confused by basic muggle concepts, but yeah. like at the same time, he should probably have gone to a muggle school and like learned all of this stuff and like, you know, Arthur would have been so happy. Yeah, <laughs> unless of course, I always wondered if he was really that baffled by basic muggle concepts or whether he was just having a bit of a laugh. True. Like, like um, screaming down the phone. <laughs> uh, no, that was that was Ron who was screaming down the phone, not Arthur. Oh, yeah. That's uh, Arthur right. Arthur said Arthur um, apparently told him later that he shouldn't have shouted. <laughs> That's right. So Arthur does know how to use a telephone, which means yes. Arthur's second family are muggles. <laughs> oh, the plot thickens. Um, I mean, I think that was the original premise that they were muggles, and that's God. Look, I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, turning to Harry and being like, "What is the function of a rubber duck?" Like that—that's—that's that's a prime dad joke, to be honest. <laughs> I feel like he was having him on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially since, like. Just explaining what a rubber duck is um, is honestly one of the most, like, you'd feel like an alien. You would feel like, you know, um, it's it's a toy that you take in the bath with you. And it floats on the surface and you just watch it bob along happily. Yep. That, that's, it, um. It's a toy you take in the bath just to make yourself feel better. Yeah. As As far as, like. Things that humans do. Look, there are a lot Rub of things that humans do that. Rubber ducks are weird. <laughs> rubber ducks are very weird. There's a lot of things that humans do that aliens would probably find very distressing. Yeah. <laughs> like so yawning. The mm. concept of a yawn is mm, my body needs not more oxygen, so I'm going to breathe in really rapidly and deeply <laughs> and then exhale. 
<sighs> Which other other animals do do, so I wonder if aliens would do that. I'm going to say they don't because it's weirder to uh, explain it. True. Very depends. true. But, like, I mean, I can see breathe. my oxygen. I can see my cat right now. Imagine explaining to an alien that I just keep a small apex predator um, in my house and I cuddle her and um, feed her. she hasn't eaten you. And I feed her bits of chicken and that appeases her. You appease the small apex predator. Yes. Who is climbing on my boyfriend's desk again and she is not allowed to do that. Meanwhile, I have a small goofy corgi who likes to squeak the squeaker. Yeah, explaining corgis to aliens, honestly, and like any kind of um, like pugs and all of that. So it's like we took wolves, like yeah, a different. We, we took a different apex predator, and then we ruined them. We fucked them up. Look what we did. We gave them anxiety. <laughs> we we gave them severe breathing problems. Yeah, corgis corgis aren't too bad. Not so much. Corgis just have hip problems, don't they? And sometimes spine problems, depending yes. on I was I was thinking how of they've pugs come with out. the breathing issues. <laughs> oh yeah. Pugs have a lot of issues. Don't buy pugs, kids. Pugs There's are... actually there's actually a really cool movement in Germany at the moment that's working on um, bringing pugs back to what they were like a couple hundred years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, if you look at old um, paintings like if there's, I think there's one of um, Marie Antoinette before she went to France with her pug who was called Mops. With her pug. Yes. yes. Um, and, um, like, the tail is not as severely curled and, like, the face is not as squashed. And, like, they're, they're sort of thinking, okay, we can, we can fix pugs is what we can do. We can fix them. We have the technology and we're going to do it. Yes. It's, it's very hard, though. Because they've got to do the same thing in German Shepherds too. What's wrong with German Shepherds? Their backs are so sloped now that they can barely walk. Oh, puppies. Uh, Because a lot of people, they were trying to breed this severely sloped back. Um, And unfortunately, the the dog can't function because their spine is curved. Um, Yeah, the, the big thing that you're trying to explain to the aliens is why this birth defect is attractive when yeah. it comes to dogs yeah yeah look I'm just looking up I mean corgis corgis were uh they were very different looking as well mm, um, I would imagine just, I'm just trying to find a vintage corgi yeah they had <laughs> short fur oh uh-huh um put this in it's, the- it's funny um my friend's mum got a um purebred um golden retriever and like there's when you're getting um I guess it with the deal that they have is that they they wait to dissex Mm -hmm. in case the breeders want um that that dog to um sire a litter but sometimes we're just looking sometimes it's also to do with the growth plates in big dogs okay Um, but yeah they're meant to they're meant to wait a couple of years and um the thing, the thing is, though, we just look at this dog, 
who just has like ropes of drool coming out of his mouth and like I just think they probably don't want him. (laughs) (laughs) Something went a little bit wrong with Tex. He's 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 a precious boy, but like you know he'll come running towards you and it'll just be drool like swinging from his from his chops and it's yeah. just like oh no don't come near me excessive excessive drooling in golden retrievers is not a thing that is usual so <laughs> mm, should probably get that checked but we have uh, tangent again so we have i feel like I think that have, is the <laughs> yeah i feel like we've reached the end of what we can possibly talk about with uh primary yes. or early late education in the Harry Potter universe. Uh, next time we might attempt to discuss higher education. Um, and yeah, what we comes actually after. we actually have decided what we're doing next week, which is a first for us. It is so. a first for us. Normally, we're scrambling on the day to be like, oh, quick, pick a topic. But we've actually I did all right. I did all right. Yeah. Um, kind of last um this this time because I asked you last night, except you were already asleep. So. Yes, I was. <laughs> Uh, I was already because <laughs> I am a nana and I go to bed very <laughs> early. Um, but I also get up incredibly early. So yes, you do. Uh, you responded to my text at five a.m. <laughs> yes, I'm not even sorry. It was like I, I I didn't get a notification. I have those turned off until I wake up. Yeah, I figured you would. You have enough overseas friends to have to have like that down pat. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so primarily just to recap, primary education in the wizarding world uh, doesn't usually exist. If you're muggle-born, it's it's you you go to school, but if you're not, you probably have a governess or someone to teach you. Yep, it's it's one of your parents or I like we haven't gotten any like confirmation on the tutoring or governess system in the wizarding world, but like I feel like the rich people outsource everything, so yeah, they do. And frankly, I'm too scared to ask uh, a good old JK if uh, any sort of question because, you know, last time someone we asked We might a find question, out more about poop. Yeah, someone asked a question and we, we ended up with poop as the answer. No, thank you. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, honestly, just if you've got any questions that don't involve poop, uh, please <laughs> – Please let us know. You can find us on Twitter. I am at Ray is a writer, R-A-E. And I'm at Raven.com. And um, I'm going to at some point write that down so I can just read it out and be correct, like as far as spelling it. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks to be um, you with a really hard Twitter handle. Um, I, I, yeah, it's just, you know. I, I did this to myself. <laughs> you did. You did this to yourself. All right. Well, anyway, uh, that that'll be. We haven't we haven't solved anything, but we did have a good chat about it. If you've got any questions, drop them in the comments or let us know on Twitter. But until next time, mischief managed. Mischief managed. Potter nonsense is a production of Bronze Pig Media and is recorded in Queensland and South Australia. If you liked the show, please rate, review and subscribe so that others can find us. You can contact us on Twitter at BronzePigMedia or by email at bronzepigmedia@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Bronze Pig Media. Oink.